0: Ephesians 4:12 to 16. If you would please follow in the reading, the Word of God, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful schemings. But, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Father, we, uh, we wish to hear from you. Father, I would ask that we would understand what the body of Christ is, what a privilege of being in the body of Christ it is. But Father, also understand that the church is so precious to you that you gave your son to die for her. So Father, as we look at this building up of the body, the strengthening of the body, may we see your pattern. May we hear you may we rest in the assurance that you who have started a good work will see it to completion. Christ, Christ alone. Amen. Amen. We are looking at the church. You could probably take 50 Christians and ask them, what is the church? You probably get 50 answers and it would probably scare you on how many would be wrong. But when I look at the church, I uh, always have to go back to Peter and he said that, It was bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thinking that if it's that important to him, my prayer is for the body of believers that it would become that important to them. So we are looking at this building of the church. And what we are looking at and have been over the last few months is God's pattern. Okay, in verse 11, if you look there, He said he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastor teachers. When we look at that and we understand that, then you can back up to chapter 2, verse 20, where it says the foundation was laid by who? The apostles and the prophets. And then the building on the apostles and the prophets, the building on that foundation were the evangelists and the pastor teachers. You can see a pattern there that God has already laid out and makes very good sense. Okay, then in verse 12, we were looking at it, is that some of your translations will say perfecting of the saints, the maturing of the saints. Same thing. To perfect us means that we are mature. Okay, total perfection will not happen until we leave these earthen vessels and step into glory. But until that time, we are to individually worry about ourselves not other people worry about ourselves that we are growing and we that happens to us through gifted men that God has placed in the body of Christ pastor teachers and evangelists Uh, all of us have different people in our lives that were gifted men who have taught us who have strengthened us why so we will mature, each and every one of us. We can grow, and we will mature. It is, it's, it's a sad state that I see today in the body of Christ of, how do I say this, the lack of maturity in the saints. Okay. Now, part of that is the lack of maturity in some of these quote-unquote gifted men. I have shared with you and I went into detail on this. Being a gifted speaker is not a gifted man. There are many politicians are gifted speakers. But I would not say that they are following what God has done. Gifted men are men who do not rely on their own technique, rely on their own enunciations, they rely on the spirit of the living God through their diligently, rightly dividing truth. And then sharing that truth. Those are the gifted men. All right. We are in a section now that he's laid out this, how it begins with these gifted men. That a purpose of these gifted men is the equipping of the saints. So when the saints are mature, what do they do? The work of ministry. Okay. Take the word ministry. I, most of If you've been raised in the church, when you think of minister, you think of the pastor. Okay. When you hear the word minister, just immediately just plug it in service. All right. So when you look at these mature saints, they will do what in the church? They will serve. They will not serve until they are mature. Because what you'll find is they'll get more in the way than they'll actually serve. Uh, I shared in our Sunday school class, first few years of my ministry, I spent most of my time putting out fires that the quote-unquote servants were starting. And and so, you know, you just kind of run around, stop, 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 stop. Okay, and God bless them, they were trying, but it's like I see new children of God, and they're they're cute, they're like a new puppy, they're just, they're adorable, and they're exciting, and they're enthusiastic, but they wee-wee all over everything, okay, but they're still cute, you can't help it, you want to pet their heads, and all the rest of them, and yet they sometimes make a bigger mess than they do any productivity, all right, so we've been looking at this, we look at this perfecting thing, and what does it take? I've already shared all of this with you, I'm not going to go back over it. But he shows that in the maturing for ministry, okay, there's five purpose clauses, all right? There's five purposes and their results, all right? And that's what we have been working on. I'll go quickly over the first three. The unity of the faith. Okay, now, this is where you get most believers today, they glaze over because the unity of the faith is doctrine. Is doctrine. The study of theology. The study of theology is the study of God. Okay? Not who do you think he is, but what does this book say he is? Okay? And it's amazing because the average Jehovah's witness who comes up and bangs on your door can turn an evangelical inside out within a minute. Craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's just, and I'm sitting there going, well, why is that? Now I'm smart enough to know if they're sending you to your door, they've trained these people. Okay. But the, the problem that I have is we have these things called churches, and why ain't we training people? I love it when they come to my door. It is an awesome time. Sit down. I have some questions. Please, please sit. Now it's really weird because nobody says, "Well, how's come every week time we go to this guy's house, he's here?" Doesn't he have a job or something? And nobody's ever asked me that, and I think it's kind of cool. Okay, because I know where their flaws are, but I also know what this says. And so I will go to their Bible and ask them questions that are in their Bibles that they have yet to edit. Okay, they're working on it. Their Bible will get smaller as it goes on. All right. But this unity of the faith comes from one place, people. It isn't Christian college. It isn't seminary. It comes from the body of Christ. Where are the gifted men? In the body of Christ. So if you're not here listening to the gifted men, guess what? You're in trouble. You are in serious trouble. All right? Because you're telling God that I don't need the gifted men. I can figure it out myself. And my thing is, really? So you can get yourself saved, right? Okay, just an idea, just just wondering. So the unity of the faith comes from the verse-by-verse exposition of the Word of God. The The word exposition just means explaining it. Just means explaining it. Okay? When this maturing is taking place, um, that's what causes the world to see the church. I've seen it. What you see in the church in America is abnormal to the rest of the world. Okay? I, I mean, I hate to break, pop your bubble. But what we have here is not normal anywhere else that I have been. All right. I'll give you an illustration. One year I was in uh, Oriel in March in in Russia. Now, you got to remember Russia is way north. Okay. Paris, France is farther north than Maine. And Russia is north of that. All right, so they've got that weird winter thing where the sun comes up about nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning and goes down at about 3 o'clock. That's why they all walk around looking grouchy. But I remember that it was cold, and they had shoveled snow all winter, and when you walked from the little place that I was staying over to the church, you were walking in a trench of snow. I remember one morning that I... Got up. My body clock was trying to figure out what in the world I was doing. But I looked down, and I could see into the fellowship hall of the church. Well, you know, you try to figure out your walk, watch. It's 9, to 12, 13. You know, what time is it? And, and it was about 4.30 in the morning. I don't do math well that early. But anyway, so I'm, I throw some clothes on, and I cruise over to see what's going on in the church. I go in there. The whole fellowship hall is full of kids. Kids. I'm talking middle school, junior high, and high school. And I'm sitting there going, what happened? (laughs) Something had to happen. So my interpreter was there, Misha, and I said, Misha, man, what is going on here? He said, well, the junior high kids are teaching the middle schoolers the book of Galatians. And I was like, well, really? And he says, and when they get done after 45 minutes, then the high schoolers will teach the junior high the book of Galatians. And I said, well, you know, it's like 4 o'clock in the morning, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so what, you see what I'm trying to get at? This church ain't like that. Try to get your kids up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Let alone, hey, you want to read a Bible? Okay. But see, they've had all of this time under the communists, they didn't have access to the scriptures. And the unity of the faith is based on the scriptures. The reason that we are working over there in Russia now is that uh, when the collapse of socialism happened, then they asked us to come and put a fence of doctrine to guard the church. All right, They didn't want to know how we did it. They wanted us to give them solid doctrine. So they could defend themselves. That's the unity of the faith. And it only comes through explaining the scripture. The next thing is, is that you will come... To the knowledge of the Son of God. This is an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of this perfection task, this maturing task, is to experience the oneness that is in the unity of the faith. Experience then the fellowship of Christ, that intimate relationship with Christ. That intimate relationship with Christ will be you and me individually but it will also be us collectively. We all have that intimacy with Christ. The word knowing there is the same term that Adam knew Eve and they had children. That's the depth of that intimacy. It's more than Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. We are to step beyond what I call bird bath Christianity. We are to get into the deeper things. Each and every one of us. This is not something that, well, the Sunday school teacher, or no, maybe I get the pastor, maybe I'll get an elder. or That's not it. It's you. Each and every one of you. As you grow in your understanding of theology, your unity with the saints gets bigger and bigger. Because once I have that intimacy, then I am a mature man. And he gives you the definition of it in the stature in the fullness of who, Christ. Listen, I I know that this causes people to choke, and I'm sorry, but you know why you're choking, is you don't know him to the depth that you can understand him. We hear that you hear the word sanctification. Okay, now we bought into this several decades ago that. A Christian life is you have glorification. This is right, or, or uh, salvation. This is right here, justification. That's, that happens. Then you live your life, and that is sanctification. And then when you give up the ghost and you go to glory, then you have glorification. And we all say, Amen. Why? I'm experiencing I've experienced that all along. The only problem is, that's not biblical. Jesus said, My glory I give them. Jesus said, you're already clean because of the words I spoke. See, when you think about the word sanctification, that is not perfection. Okay, sanctification, use this word, separation. When you hear the word sanctification, am I separated from the things of the world? I mean, it doesn't mean I'm not moving in and out of them and utilizing them. But they're not important to me. All right? So do you understand? So I have been separated from sin. If I've been separated from sin, remember we looked at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I behold in a mirror and been transformed from glory to glory. That's the difference, that's the contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Abraham would go into the presence of God and he'd come out glowing in the dark. But it slowly faded away. The New Covenant, you come into the relationship with Jesus Christ and your glowing gets brighter and brighter and brighter, or should be. That means I'm being separated from the things of the world and placed over In the things of Christ. All right. When I'm in the statute of the fullness of Christ, then fourthly, guess what? I no longer have any doctrinal ignorance. Okay? I don't have any doctrinal ignorance. You think about that for a second. See, if I don't have doctrinal ignorance, guess what? I am in the most awesome place of safety on the planet Earth. You cannot get anywhere safer than to have solid, deep doctrine. Okay, and I'm not. I'm, I'm not talking about birdbath Christianity. I'm talking get in the deep end. Get in the deep end. Get into some of that stuff. When you think about it, you feel like you have to hold your breath because I think I'm drowning. Get into there. I shared this illustration. I'll give it to you again. I grew up in uh, water moccasin country. Okay, and uh, water moccasins are just. Seriously, redneck snakes, they are not afraid of you. If you shoot at them, they don't care. But what I learned is, if you're in deep water, they can't bite you. Okay? If you're in shallow water or up on the shore, they can bite you because they get the leverage that they can get their head up to you. But if you're in deep water, they can't bite you. Okay? You want to think about that theologically. If I'm in deep water, what's the serpent going to do? Nothing. And you can go like this, mmm. Why? Because when you move out of doctrinal ignorance, then you are now at a place of safety. And you know what's nice about it? It's great to be around you people. I love being around the saints, even them little porcupine saints. Okay, cute as a button to don't pet it. Okay? But I love being around the saints. You know why? What's the alternative? Okay. So I, I love being around believers. Okay? Even as that the illustration of the cute little puppy ones. Okay, God bless them. All right. I share that because as I grow in my doctrinal understanding of the things and the purpose. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am now safer and safer now I can stand out here all by myself and I 'm safe, but if I 'm around a whole bunch of you I 'm even safer, okay and I like that I like that because you know what i've been out there, I lived to the fullest out there that I could, and that's crazy. I like being here I like Knowing who my Lord is at a depth that when the snake tries to bite me it can't. There's he uses the phrase here and uh, it's, it's kind of cute. You're no longer to be children. You are no longer to be childish. Do not be Children. Tossed. Tossed. Look at chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of who? The devil. How do I stand against the schemes of the devil? When Jesus was tempted after 40 days of fasting, how did he stand against Satan? Scripture. Doctrinal integrity. I mean, when in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Yeah, that's pretty doctrinal integrity there. Okay, I can stand against the schemes of the devil. See, the devil is not into pentagrams and... and Man, I have heard so much of this. that You just sit there and go, are you, real? Are you, are you for real? Okay, but I hear all of this all, of, all the time. Okay? My issue is that if I know who Christ is, then I know that he is the father of truth. The opposite? It's the father of lives right okay the problem is if i don't know what truth is how do i know if it's a lie or not see when the apostles were first planning the church in the, in the beginning that first 50 years 70 years okay the apostles had the ability to do miracles because they had the old testament but they were instituting the new testament They had the old covenant. Now they're showing him the new covenant. Now then, how do you and I know if what the man is sharing with me is truth? I hold it up to the light of Scripture. I hold it up to the light of Scripture. That allows me to stay away from the things of the devil. You know, I I see this the sleight of hand. You know what the sleight of hand is? I'm going to make you look at this while I'm doing this, and I'm going to do something over here, you're not going to see it. Okay? You ever seen these magic trips, the card trips? Never look at the hand that he wants to show you. Look and see what he's doing over here, and you'll figure out how they do it. And that takes me, I'm not much fun to go into these little trick places, because, well, yeah, i watched that one over <laughs> I saw that one. Okay, and that's how that. Brothers and sisters, that's the body of Christ. You've got people in the church right now who are side of hand, and you go, "Wow, that was really cool, really." But it wasn't true. I mean, how many wise men were there? The Bible don't say, but most of us would say, "Isn't that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego?" No, it wasn't. Although they were under that king at one time. But see, this is the stuff that I want you and us to think about. Is He uses terminologies here. I don't want you to be like a kid tossed here and there by waves. Okay? And carried about by every wind of doctrine and the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So he kind of gives you a little list here. I don't want you to fall into the slick cons that are out there. All right. How do I do that? Well, I must be mature into the fullness of Christ. How do I do that? Sound doctrine. Gives me the unity of the faith. Listen. Listen. A liar does not come up to you and say, hey, I have a lie for you. Okay? They're going to come up to you and they're going to give you something that is camouflaged. And it looks just like truth. If you go look at the original Greek word for false doctrine, false teaching, you know what it is? It's a fascinating word. Parallel. It lays right beside truth. But don't worry, it never crosses, but it runs right alongside it. Right? That's why, you know, I see some of these pastors, man, they grin all the time, and that makes me nervous. If I'm teaching about God's judgment, how can I grin? Some of these guys just, they're very good. Good. I remember years and years and years and decades ago that I was teaching 1 Peter chapter 1. And I had gotten done teaching. I'd gone home for the evening. I flipped on the boob tube. And there was, uh, what the heck is that guy's name? Out of Texas. Anyway, he's teaching out of 1 Peter. And I said, sitting there going, well, I'm going to have to listen to this. Copeland, that's who it was. Copeland, I was listening to this, man, just going, and I mean, you would have swore we had the same set of notes, and I'm just sitting there going, well, I didn't think this guy was legit, and he kept going, and he kept going, and I mean, you listened to the message, it was identical to what I had just got done teaching, I was like, this is totally awesome, and then he came to the conclusion that God, Jesus went down on the ground for three days and was tortured by Satan so he could fulfill redemption. That is a lie out of the pit of hell. But if you'd have listened to that message all the way up until that point, you would have thought him and me were sharing the same notes. But then he went down and for three days was tortured by Satan. No, he wasn't. He went down there and told Satan, guess what? You just got your lunch handed to you. Okay? That's slick. That is absolutely slick. And you look at the amount of money that is donated to him monthly. As we are perfected, as we are matured, none of this is going to deceive you. Because you have become mature. I am amazed at the number of pastors. Who will quote books that they have read. By known heretics. Why would you read that? Why? Well but it makes a lot of sense. What? You cannot be fooled if you're not a child. Listen, in my years before Christ and after Christ, something I have noticed Christians are some of the most gullible people to ever walk the planet. Now, I'm not here to hurt your feelings. I'm just telling you what I've watched and what I've seen tells me P.T. Barnum was right. There's one born every minute. And i never seen anything like it. I remember a number of years ago, before I became the senior pastor here, Riverside Baptist Church had John MacArthur come in and do an overnight conference. Okay, John MacArthur is one of the best expositors ever okay when we got up there we thought, man we're gonna have to park over by the football stadium I just don't know we got up there you know there was less than 70 people at that okay now it was good for me cuz I could sit down and talk with him (laughs) hey man I got some questions okay the following week I'm gonna get myself in trouble with this one but you guys gonna have to deal with it Ebb from Green Acres Anybody remember Green Acres? Some do, and everybody's like, what is a Green Acre? Okay, do you remember Ebb from Green Acres? The, the, the hand? Okay, well, he's a believer, and he was up there at Riverside, and there was standing room only in the main auditorium, and there was overflow into the, this fellowship hall that's on the property. And they had a big screen in there and all the rest of it. They thought that they probably had somewhere around eight or 9,000 people to see Ebb. Okay? And Ebb was hilarious. But so was Don Rickles. Well, you may not like Don Rickles. I like Don Rickles. Okay? But do you see what I'm trying to get at? So tell me that we're not gullible. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 6. Understand that the first and 2 Thessalonians are the two first chronological books of the New Testament. Okay, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Verse 6. Now we command you, brethren. Did you see that word there? Command does not mean I'm asking nicely. Command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life, and not according to the traditions which you have received from us. That seems pretty straightforward to me. And yet, if this is the first two books of the New Testament, chronologically, these were the first two written, what was he dealing with then? corrupt people in the church deceivers con men and he says what are you supposed to do with them send them money and they'll send you a perk off no what are you supposed to do with them stay away from them but Christians are gullible you know what if you think about it Christians buy more junk than any other group I had a friend who had a Christian bookstore, and he had a great deal with a bunch of books. This is before the Internet and downloading and offloading and all the rest of it. We actually had to go buy a book. And he shut it down because all the people that were shipping him literature started mandating him buy, he called them knickknacks. Okay? And he said, I can't in good conscience do this. He said, it's bad enough that every once in a while they send me some con man's book and I just file it under later. But he says, now they want jewelry, they want rings, they want coffee cups, they want stickers for your car, stickers for your forehead, stickers for this, that, and the other, whatever. And yet, you know what? We buy it. We buy it. Which is good because I've gotten behind some of these fish cars and, and it's obvious the driver's not saved, but I'm glad that the car is. You know, people say, well, you don't have anything that identifies you. And I was like, nope, because every once in a while I'm short-tempered when I drive. And I don't want them to blame my Jesus for what I just did. Okay? There's so much out there and there's so much corruption. These people are corruptors of the word of God. The word deceitful that you see there is copy loss. Copy loss. And it literally means to rust it. You know what rust is? It's chemical action that deteriorates whatever it's on. And that's what he's describing some of these people that will come in and toss children to and fro. And they do it by every wind of corruption. The schemes. The schemes of the devil. The schemes of men. Now listen. I'll just ask you a simple question. Look around and tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I just look around. I mean, have you ever checked out some of the quote-unquote Christian television shows? Ugh. I I just... I, I, I'd rather listen to CNN. I've heard some of this stuff. You listen to it and you're like, what? What are you talking about? I still like the guys who want to send me water from Israel, though. I think that's unique. You're going to do what? That's sort of like when you can buy a canned snowball. Do you ever see those? Look, I got, I got a can full of snowballs from Colorado. Okay, I mean, it's the same thing. You're like, wow, man. All right, I should have thought of that. All right? But I listen to this, and it just, it is frustrating. And I wonder why the church is in the condition that it is. Well, for one thing, the people are, at best, birdbath Christians. The tragedy is, Paul warned us that there will come a time at the end when people will heap to themselves Teachers that will tickle their ears. You know what scares me about that? The word heap. That means there is a bumper crop of these people willing to lie to you. That's just... I, we had a guy in the church here who had knee replacement surgery. They asked me, Him and his wife asked me if I'd come up before the surgery and all the rest. I said, yeah, I'll be up there. So we were sitting in the pre-op room, and uh, the doctor comes in. And he writes on his leg which one they're going to work on. Big old X on it, and and, and all the rest. of it. And they start explaining to Brian and Karen, "This is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to do." And I'm just sitting there. Doo, 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 doo. I'm waiting for him to leave, and then we'll pray. So the guy said, uh, "You're her, the, you're the pastor?" And I said, "Yeah." And uh, he says, "You got any questions for me?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "What's that?" I said, "You ever done this before?" And I thought Karen was going to fall out of her chair. She's like, oh, geez. <laughs> but wouldn't you want to know that? What, the, right? No, I'm here for gallbladder. What do you mean, knee replacement? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? And yet, we are willing to willy-nilly throw our hands of eternity into somebody. Have you ever done that before? You never asked him. I, there's a job site or a job thing for pastors. And I every once in a while go sc- scroll through it to get a chuckle out of it. It was amazing to me. They were looking for an administrative pastor, a big church. Administrative pastor. And they wanted a, a bachelor in business and something in accounting. And you just, just goes through the list. This is what we're looking, we're looking for. And about the ninth thing down there, it says, oh, and must know the Lord Jesus Christ. What? That should have been the first six. But see, that's that's where we're at. I remember talking to the previous secretary or uh, president of Denver Sim. We were having lunch together. He says, Man, we got people coming in here. He says, This is master's degree work. He says, I got kids coming in here out of Bible colleges. That think that in the Old Testament you're saved by works, and under the New Testament you're saved by faith. He says, how is that possible? I just smiled at him and said, you're reaping what you sow. You're training the trainers. And that's what the kids are coming out of there with. Have the men of God warned night and day with tears that you should be mature? I have a lot of people, you know, I've been in this town for a long time. I've had a lot of people, in the, especially the new guys come strolling. And they just look at me and they say, well, you've been here for a while. I said, yeah, about 35 years in this church. Wow, hey, you've been here. And then they'll start... <laughs> I won't get into it. They'll start their, their song and dance. And I'll tell them the things that they're up against. I said, I know what this town is. It's got a huge mysticism base here. Massive, beyond understanding. And they're all bringing it into church, closing it, clothing it in Christ. And they all, after a while, they look at me and says, well, I think you've just been here too long. You're just real cynical. And I just smile at him and said, is it am I cynical or am I discerning? You might want to check that. Think about all the things that Christians willingly send their money to. Just think about it. Think about all the things that Christians read. I remember that uh, Get Behind Me series. No, no. What is it? Left, Left, Behind. Left Behind. Yeah. Left Behind. And when those books would come out each time, people would stand in line to get it. And it was amazing to me. It was amazing because I didn't think it up. But anyway, it was it was amazing to watch what people would do. I mean, they'd wait in line. The new series. It's going to be here today. And I said, you know, that's fiction, right? Because... Uh, yeah, anyway, think about, I remember uh, two friends of mine, uh, publishers, Though I know them, and I'm not on their Christmas list, but they were at a Christian booksellers convention thing like this, and I said, well, what's that like? He says, it is amazing the amount of heresy that they can put under one roof. And I thought, you know what? That's true. That's true. So much that we accept as Christians. Truthfully, I believe it's shameful. All right? If we are going to heap to ourselves teachers that tickle our ears, it means there's a bunch of them. Don't you think we should be more cynical? (laughs) Or at least a little more discerning? I heard somebody tell me one time the church in America has a spiritual case of AIDS. It can't defend itself. Ask yourself a question. I mean, you hear people playing with spiritual gifts. I have the spiritual gift of this, a spiritual gift of that, whatever, just throw it out there. How many of them have ever said, you know what, I have the spiritual gift of discernment. That's not one of them gifts that I'm going to go after discernment. I think I'll go with discernment. Okay, but we are in desperate need of it. We get caught in the conning of men when we are childish. When you start basing your theology on an experience or an emotion, it used to be like that old TV show where the robot say, "Danger, Will Robinson, danger!" Because experience does not validate Scripture. Because my Bible says, in this life you will have tribulation. Sign me up, huh? I don't want to base my walk on experience. I don't want to uh, fall to craftiness because I know who is behind that. I do not want to be tossed with every wind of doctrine. Remember uh, 2000? What was it? Y2K? Something like that. Remember that? You cannot believe the number of Christians that I dealt with who were selling everything to move to Israel because this is it. And I said, you're out of your minds. And I would explain to them the time or the date is not known. It's not known. And I know a large group of people up in the, not far from here, who sold everything and they got as far as Egypt and the guy who was the brainchild behind it left them with everything and they were trying to figure out how to get back to the United States. Okay? And these people said under quote unquote Bible teaching, which tells me if they fell for that, then they did no Bible reading. How do you know what I'm saying is truth? What does it say here? Listen, if you're really honest with yourself, I have a granddaughter and I have a grandson, (laughs) and they're a torment to their parents, and I think that's a blessing. But, you can look at them and tell them anything, and they smile at you, and they're in agreement. Doesn't matter. And for a guy like me, with my sense of humor, that sometimes is dangerous. Dangerous. I remember my niece and nephew and explained to them where olives come from. And uh, I'm not going to explain that to you because it freaked them both out. They've never eaten an olive since. <laughs> <laughs> but they just look and they say, well, look, he's sincere. He's looking good. And all the rest of it. But isn't that what children do? You get down right there by me. You tell them whatever you want to tell them. And they're like, oh, okay. Right? That's the same way as some Christians. You can tell them anything. And remember, false teaching lays parallel. Lays parallel. Children believe sincere faces. That's why when we have children, we say, don't talk to strangers. Right? If the church is ever going to protect itself from lies... It has to be united in the faith. It has to have an intimate relationship individually and collectively with the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be maturing. See, that's what keeps the lies out. The lies don't even come in. You know, I've had people that say, well, Terry, you've got Baptists out there on the wall. That's the reason you don't grow numerically. I was like, really? Wow. Wow. Gates of hell can't stop it, but Baptists can. <laughs> I told him, I said, no, I'm not going to change it. So said, well, if you change it, you, I said, no, I'm not going to change it. If the doctrine is true, it is taught, and it is stood on with confidence, you slam the door to the con men, to the lies, and the schemers. Chapter three of 2 Corinth or 2 Thessalonians verses 14 and 15. If anyone does not obey our instructions in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Make a note. Make a note. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Well, I found first. There it is. 3 verses 1 to 5. Realize this. In the last days, difficult times will come. Okay, now listen. He's telling you what the church is going to look like. Men will be lovers of self. Charles Spurgeon says that's the sewer pipe the rest of this pours out of. Tell me, ask me a question. Answer me this question. Are men lovers of self in the body of Christ today? Well, know this. They will be lovers of money boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here's the key. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. What are you supposed to do? Avoid such men. Wow. Verse 13 of that same chapter. Evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 16 and 17. I'll close with this. I want you to remember what I just gave you was a picture of the church. Okay. This was Paul's last letter. He ever wrote, he lost his head. This is his last letter. What did he tell us? It's going to get nasty. From bad to worse. Lovers of self, it'll be promoted. But note what he says in 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. How do I avoid it? Know what the scripture says. Because it is God breathed. That will make us not be childish. And tossed. And it will also make us safe. Let us pray. Father we come now. Give thanks for your powerful word, knowing that it is God breathed. Father, knowing that it has the ability to profit us in teaching, to, Father, to reprove us. It will correct us and all the time training us in righteousness. Father, knowing that we will be equipped for every, every good work. Thank you, Lord, for your precious bride, your church. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of men that have been in my life. Father, may we continue to be thankful for the body of Christ. To you, my King, in Christ's name, amen.